Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Christianity is not a DIY project. Do you know what I mean when I say DIY projects? How many of y'all are on Pinterest? I'm on Pinterest. Blake's on Pinterest. Where are my guys that are on Pinterest? Caden's on Pinterest. Jeff's on Pinterest. Blake's on, okay, so we, real men get on Pinterest. Don't, don't, don't think anything less of us. But Pinterest has all these do-it-yourself projects. Have you ever looked at, like, online and seen all these Pinterest fails? Like, people that tried to make something on Pinterest and it turned out terrible? Like, you know, you, you tried to make, like, this, like, like, cake mold of Taylor Swift and it looked more like Betty White? Like, something like, I don't know. But, like, is these Pinterest fails and... Christianity is not a do-it-yourself project. So, before we get into this, I want to show you a couple do-it-yourself fails. Jake, you can just kind of like scroll through a couple of these. Um, auto repair fail. Um, that's, that's what we call a West Virginia job. Um, that person will probably have a WVU bumper sticker on their car. Um, so, um, so the next one is custodial engineering fail. So instead of actually opening the soap dispenser, let's just tape some soap on the soap dispenser. Um, there's, this is my favorite, hot tub fail. <laughs> That's the redneck hot tub. So that, you know, do-it-yourself hot tub. The next one is cake decorating. This is kind of a Pinterest fail. So, you know, on the right you see what it's supposed to look like. And then I don't even know how to describe it. It kind of looks like Simba on the left. So, so that's, a, that's a cake decorating do-it-yourself fail. Um, home repair do-it-yourself fail. See how they installed the ceiling fan? That's like something I'd do. Um, and then finally, I got a gif for you. Landscaping fail. <laughs> Just watch it a couple times. It's really funny. So, so that, that's a landscaping fail. So, um, Jake, you can just let that loop till we go to the next slide, because I just like to keep watching it as I talk. Um, so, but here's the thing. Do-it-yourself is not always the best way of doing it. Like, as you get older, uh, go to the next slide, Jake, because we're not going to think about anything other than that. Well, okay. So, um, so do-it-yourself is not always the best way. Sometimes it works. In our generation, like, we want, like, or at least this is the way I work, like, if something breaks in my house, I'm like, I'm sure there's a YouTube video on how to fix it. Like, and I'll spend like 10 hours trying to fix something I've never fixed before in my life rather than call someone who knows what they're doing who can fix it in 10 minutes. Like, have you ever like broken your phone screen or something? You're like, I'll bet I could replace that silly old phone screen instead of paying those you know, guys like $50,000 at the mall to replace it. And you end up breaking your whole phone. Do it yourself sometimes works, but it doesn't always work. And here's what I want to submit to you in Christianity in Christianity, God did not design you as a Christian to be a do-it-yourself Christian. DIY Christianity is not the Christianity God intended for you to live. Um, there, some people, and I've heard people talk and say things like this, like, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I can worship God on my bass boat. Usually that means you're worshiping the bass boat instead of God, you know. But, you know, or, you know, I, 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 don't, need, you know, I don't need, I don't need to, meet with other Christians and study the Bible with other Christians, God's given me the Bible. I can just study the Bible on my own. And I understand these people, they've got good intentions, but what I want to share with you tonight is Christianity is not a do-it-yourself project. That's not the way God intended for it to be. And tonight, 
the tweak. Remember, we tweaked our upward. What was the tweak on the upward? Yell it out. Okay, that was really weak, but we'll keep going. Yeah, you, got, you guys need to wake up. So, um, but ten, tonight's tweak, the first tweak was do it. That was the upward tweak. This, tonight's tweak is another one-word tweak, and it's the tweak for our inward, the way we reach out within our group. And here's the word we're going to focus on. The word is receive. The word is receive. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 15. Um, as you're turning there, I'll give you, if, if you guys like to nerd out on the Bible, I'll give you some nerd, some nerd fodder. Uh, you're only, if you know what fodder means, you're definitely a nerd. Um, <laughs> but um, I'll give you something to nerd out on. Romans is divided into two sections. Um, the first section is, is chapters 1 through 11, and that tells you what Jesus did for you. And, and chapters 12 through 16 tell you what you're supposed to do in response to what Jesus did for you. Make sense? So chapters 1 through 11 tell you about what Jesus did for you. Chapters 12 through 16 tell you about how you should respond because of what Jesus did for you. So what do, where, does, where does Romans 15 fall into that? It's about our response, right? It's about how we should react to what God did for us. And in Romans chapter 15, in verse 7, there is there's one of those, like sometimes we study like a big old long passage, and we pick everything out of the passage, and sometimes we just focus in on like a verse. And that verse is like pretty much like all we can focus in because it's like taking a drink out of a fire hydrant. And Romans, I got the wrong heading on there, sorry guys. I got James up there. Um, it's Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Romans 15, 7 is like one of those that like is so full of, things that we need to work on as a group. We're just going to kind of like set up our RV there, build a campfire, roast some weenies, and really look at this verse. So you can kind of read along with me if you have your Bible with you. If not, look on the screens. We're going to read uh, Romans 15, verses 7 and 8. It says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So here, it's one of those verses, you read verse 7, and you could probably tell me what we're supposed to do. What does verse 7 tell us we're supposed to do? Accept one another. Like, like even, you don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to realize that, right? That's kind of easy to read, but it's really hard to put into practice. It's really hard to put into practice because according to this verse, we're all supposed to accept each other. So, you know me, I like to ask questions. So, I, as I was studying this verse, I asked four questions. And we're, like, the way we're dividing this kind of lesson in the study of this verse, we're going to divide it into four questions. The first question is, what does it mean to accept? The second is, who should I accept? The third is, how should I accept them? And the fourth is, why should I accept them? It's not wrong to ask questions, and we're going we're gonna to be talking about, and we're going to be asking these four questions about this verse. So we're starting with the first question. What does it mean? What does it mean to accept one another? Because acceptance is a word that's kind of been like hijacked by, by like a certain group of people over the past couple of years. So what does it mean to accept someone? So if you look at this verse, and it's, I've highlighted there, accept, the Bible when it was originally written, God inspired men to write it and people to write it. It was written in the, in, in the New Testament anyway. Romans was written in the language of Greek. Really, really super, super, super smart people have translated that Greek original Bible into English, which is great because most of us can't read Greek, so we can be thankful for that. But 
If you look back at what the original word was that was translated into accept, it sounds really cool when you pronounce it. Proslumbano. Everybody say proslumbano. Turn to the person on your left and say proslumbano. Now say back to them, I didn't know you could speak Greek. So um, this word that's translated into accept, here's, if you look it up in a Greek dictionary, here's what it means. It means to take in addition, to take to oneself, to take by the hand, to receive into one's home, to grant access to one's heart, to receive, to identify with, or to publicly be seen with. So accepting isn't just like, oh, cool, you're here, that's great. Accepting's a lot bigger deal than that. I remember, it's still like this, by the way, for adults, but I remember as, as a teenager, like as I, when I got into middle school, and you, you middle schoolers can, can vouch for me on this, something weird happens to you when you get into middle school. And, and you, you're like realizing, you're like, man, this is weird. Like, you know, <laughs> like things are just getting weird. And, and you, start real, you start finally understanding that not everybody accepts you like the way you are. And some people will like laugh at or exclude you because of certain physical things about you or because you don't, you're, you, know, you don't come from a family that has this certain amount of money or because you looked at her boyfriend the wrong way or like you, you've learned what it means to be excluded. And I think middle school is when that kind of begins and really it continues through your whole life, but that's like a big deal. I remember being a middle schooler and what it felt like to be excluded, and even in high school to point, like, where, how it felt to be excluded. And it's a very dehumanizing feeling. It's a very sad and a very, like, kind of depressing thing when you feel like you're not good enough for someone. So what people do in response to that is people will do anything sometimes to be accepted. People will do anything to be seen as equal by others and to be taken in by others. When I, um, when I went to college in Lynchburg, Virginia, one of the things that all the cool guys did in my dorm, and I was, you know, the youngin in the dorm, and I was brand new, didn't have many friends. All these guys would, you know, said the cool thing to do in the dorm was, it was called bridge jumping. And there's this bridge called the 501 Bridge that went over the James River in Lynchburg. And it was probably like 20, 25 feet above this river. And the, what all the cool kids did was, because it was illegal, is you jump off that bridge into the water. So, like, you know, the guys are like, hey, you know, you want to come bridge jumping with us? And I'm like, I don't think so. You know, that sounds kind of scary. And they're like, oh, you don't have to jump. You know, you can just kind of watch. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch people belly flop and die. You know, sure, it's entertainment. I'll bring some popcorn. Well, I got there, and you know what happened, right? These guys take their shirts off, and they've got, like, ripples on their ripples, and they're these big buff college guys. And I'm just like, well, here I am. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to fit in with these guys. I'm going to show them what's up. So before any of them could even jump, clothes on and all, I take a big old jump off that bridge. I'd never fallen that far before in my life. And what I realized is when you fall 20, 25 feet, you don't hit right away. So I was like, this is weird. I'm free falling. I'm like Tom Petty. I'm free falling. And so I'm like, what do I, you know, what's going on? So I looked down to see how close I was to the to the water, and as soon as I looked down, my entire body, like, because of the gravity, just go, like, I guess I got a fat head, my, my, my body goes like this, and I just, like, I ate the water, and water is, like, so, it's, like, so nice to be in a hot tub or a, or a pool, but, man, when you hit the water, from 25 feet up, it felt like I just bit a brick wall, got the wind knocked out of me, went straight to the bottom, and all I can remember is I finally got up to the top because 
it's hard to swim to the top when you don't have any air in your lungs and you don't float. So I finally got to the top, and I'm like, I was holding on to this little log in the river, and I was just gasping for breath, and I realized how stupid I was. But why did I do it? I did it because I wanted to be accepted. Some people will wear ridiculous clothes. Some people will say things that are terrible things to say. People will go to great lengths just to be accepted, just to get the stamp of approval, just to be welcomed into a group so they don't feel alone. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done something simply so you wouldn't feel alone or wouldn't feel excluded? We really struggle with acceptance. And Romans was written to a church where there were people being excluded. That never happens, right? People are never feel excluded at church, right? Can you sense my sarcasm? Um, so it was written to the church in Rome where the people were actually being excluded. They had divided themselves into two groups. There was the weak group, which was the Jewish people, and there was the strong group. They called themselves the strong group, and they were the Gentile people. And the Gentile people were getting like impatient with the Jewish people because the Jewish people were struggling in their faith, and the Jewish people were getting were getting like really like annoyed by the Gentiles who you know thought they were you know like holy rollers and better than the Jewish people. So there was this like exclusion going on. God inspires the Apostle Paul who wrote, who wrote Romans under the inspiration of God to say, here, this is what I want you to tell this church who are excluding people. And he told the church two things in verse 15. The first thing you see is in verse 1 where he said, the strong ought to bear with the, fa- the failings of the weak, so we should bear with each other. And the second thing is in, in verse 7, which is what we're looking at, and it's accept one another. It's accept one another. So I was thinking about this. And when I think about acceptance, acceptance, because if you look at this, remember the definition, it's very, like, big deal. It's like to take an addition, to take to oneself, um, to receive into one's home. Like, you just don't let anyone in your home, right? Like, guy pulls up in a van with blacked-out windows. You don't let him in your home, right? Like, it's a big deal to let someone in your home. You let them in your home. You grant them access to your heart you identify with, you're willing to be publicly identified with these people. So when I say that we're supposed to accept each other, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. According to the world, acceptance just means that you, you know, it, it means that I'll, I'll take you if you're good enough. To the world, acceptance means I'll totally agree with you and never tell you anything you don't want to hear. The Bible's definition of acceptance, God's definition of acceptance is, hey, I'm going to partner up with you. I'm willing to publicly identify with Matthew Black. Not just because he's a pretty awesome dude, but because he's my brother in Christ. And I don't care if people see us out together. I don't care if people see, you know, I don't care if people see us out playing basketball. I don't care if, you know, if Matthew, Matthew probably totally embarrassed me at basketball because he's so much better than I am. I'm like your stereotypical like white man can't jump guy. You know, so... so um, But I I don't mind being publicly identified with any of you. That's what this accept one another means. One of the better translations of this word for accept means to receive. So I put a picture of the best receiver in the NFL on the screen there. His name is Des Bryant. Um, His name is Des Bryant. The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl championship. But, um, But because that's the idea. Does Des Bryant care what color the ball is? Does he care how... How much PSI is in the ball? Of course not, because he doesn't play for the Patriots. Um, does, does, does he, does he, uh, does he, does, but does he care if the ball was thrown in a perfect spiral? No. What is his one job? What is his one objective? 
catch the ball. As a youth group, our one objective is not whether or not we, we, we particularly like the person that we're called to accept. It's not whether or not um, we think they dress in the right way. It's not whether or not they go to the same school as we do. We have, just like Des has one job, catch the ball, our one job is to receive people into our group. <laughs> Don't catch people, <laughs> but receive them into our group. So what does it mean? It means to receive each other. The next is, who should we receive? Because it's a pretty big commitment, right? If I'm making that big of a commitment to a person, I'm like, I can only make that big of a commitment to a couple people. But what does God say? He says, except who? I got a couple memes on here, so... Um, I promised myself I wouldn't use the word dank. Um, so uh, I got a couple memes on here, but um, we're going to get to the whole fine print thing. But um, I wouldn't suggest using this pickup line either. Um, but um, who are we supposed to accept according to this verse? Who are we supposed to accept? It's like, it's like math answers at the back of the book. It's right on the screen. Who are we supposed to accept? Okay, there we go. One another. So who's one another then? Who's one another? What, what does that mean? Who is, who, who is, what is this verse talking about? He's telling people at a church to accept one another. So who is one another? Everybody in the daggone church, right? Everybody who walks through the doors of the place where they gather, you should accept them. And this is the quickest point. <laughs> this is the quickest point because there's really no exception to it. And this is where the fine print comes in. Have you ever had to sign up for something online and you got to, nobody reads that stuff, right? You scroll through like five pages of disclaimers and like what you really don't know is that they've like, they're going to, like you've agreed for them to come take your kidney in the middle of the night and like you've given them your firstborn child and like, 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 like all these things like you've promised that you don't, you just scroll through the fine print. So when I read a verse like this and I'm like, I'm supposed to accept everybody. I'm like, surely God's got like an out clause for this because there's some weird people out there. Like, we got some weird people in our youth group, especially that guy named Matt McClay. Like, like, surely God doesn't want me to accept, to receive, to identify with every weirdo that walks through these doors. So I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and you know what? You know what everyone means? Everyone. You know what one another means? It means one another. If you want to get technical, it's a reciprocal plural pronoun. One another. Doesn't that sound real smart? It's a reciprocal plural pronoun, which means I'm supposed to accept you, you're supposed to accept me. No exceptions. No fine print. No fine print. Why is it? Why is it? I think it's because God wants us to build each other up. Because remember what the, the premise of this is? Christianity is not a do-it-yourself project. That's why God says accept one another, accept everyone, not just accept the people that you like or the people that you can tolerate or the people that don't annoy you. He says accept one another. Got a question, Cora? Yeah, so it's, and Cora is balling tonight. It's an indefinite pronoun, so it's nonspecific, which means it's not targeting any group of people. It means we should accept everyone. So in God, that was God's plan because he knows I need you, you need me, and this is the kind of convicting part. We were accepted by who originally? By God. So if we're rejecting if, I re if someone walks through the door and I've rejected someone who God accepts, what does that say about where I stand with God? 
If I reject somebody that God accepts, I'm at odds with God. So let's move on to the next one, because that one may hurt in the morning. So first question, you remember what the first question was? What does it mean to accept? Second question was, who do we accept? Next one is, how do we accept? So another meme. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Have you seen the commercial for the insurance? It's got the guy that's holding the fishing pole, and he's like, I've got you a dollar, you know. And she's like grasping for it, and he's like, who, who, you almost had it, almost had it, right? Uh, I'll explain the picture, um, but here's what you need to know. It says, accept one another then. So how are we supposed to accept one another? Just as Christ accepted you. How did Jesus accept us? i got a couple answers for you. You were a sinner, you were an enemy of God, and you were dead in your sins, yet Jesus received you. I wrote this down. Sometimes I forget things, and when I really want to make sure I say something, I write it down. And this is something I wrote down. Jesus received immoral prostitutes and judgmental Pharisees. He received rich people and poor people, sick people and well people, government insiders and government insurrectionists. Jesus received people who were a threat to him. Jesus received people who were enemies of him. The day Jesus received you, if you, if you put your faith in Christ, if you put your faith in Christ and you're a Christian, there was a day that Jesus received you. What was your status before Jesus received you? You know what it was? It was an enemy of God, a rebel of God. So what does that say about how we're supposed to receive people? Jesus wants you to receive the person who's poor and who's desolate and who pretty much poses no threat to you. But he also wants you to receive in our group the stuck-up cheerleader that may steal your boyfriend. I'm not saying all cheerleaders are stuck up, by the way. I'm not trying to be mean to you cheerleaders. I'm just throwing it out there. God wants us to receive everyone. He wants us to receive everyone. But if you also, um, we don't have it on the screens, but if you look down, verse 8 kind of explains verse 7. And verse 8 tells us about how Jesus received, received us. It says, Christ became a servant. He served. He became a servant of the Jews based on God's truth, on behalf of God's truth. Hey, Stonewall, Ethan, right up here. If you don't want to listen to the lesson, you can hang out on the outside, okay? Um, so, what was I saying? Oh, I know what I was saying. Jesus accepted us based on God's truth. So, here's where our definition of acceptance and kind of like our culture's definition of acceptance are different. The culture says, if you are going to accept me, that means you have to agree with everything about me. That's what, that's what the culture says. You know what Jesus' acceptance says? Jesus' acceptance says this. I'll accept you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay just the way you are. When Jesus accepted us, we were dead in our sins. He loved us way too much to leave us dead in our sins. He gave us life. When Jesus met us, we had a broken relationship with God. He accepted us, but he loved us too much to let us stay in that broken relationship with God. He restored our relationship with God through the cross. We got this idea, and people are going to tell you this. You got to listen. If you don't hear anything other than this, listen to this. People are going to tell you that to accept others, it means you have to agree with everything they do. That is 100% totally wrong. Accepting people means you invite them into your life, but 
you know the best thing for them is for them to realize who they are or who they can be in Christ. So you, 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 you drive them into a relationship, not drive them, like, but you, you, you lead them into a relationship with Jesus. If you love someone and they're in a bad place in their life, do you really love them if you let them stay in that bad place? No. If you love them, you're going to lead them to a better place in their life. So accepting doesn't mean just, oh, y'all come, believe whatever you want to believe, do whatever you want to do, and we're cool with it. That's not acceptance. That's ridiculousness. Acceptance means you were created by God. You have value. I love you because Jesus loved you, and I want to tell you what Jesus can do for you. That's what real acceptance means. That's how Jesus accepted people. And then the final thing, how do we accept them? We accept them like Jesus accepted us. And then the final thing is, why should we do it? <laughs> that's, that's usually my first question. Because I, I, don't like, I don't like people telling me to do something unless I know why. And I know that, get, that got me in trouble a lot in school, and I probably should have been more respectful. But I want to know a good why. You give me a good why, I can deal with any how or any what. Um, so do you like the picture of, of why they're leaving the, leaving the building? Um, I needed to find someone to pose for a picture and why it was a good poser because why it's a poser. So, um, no, but um, why should I accept them? If you look at the end of this verse here, see, you see what we're doing? You can do this every day in your Bible study. Just break it down, phrase by phrase, and you'll, you'll learn something. Accept one another, that's the what. Just, um, that, or accept is the what, one another is the who. Just as Christ accepted you is the how, in order to bring praise to God is the why. Something really cool happened when Jesus accepted us, didn't it? When people are accepted, they start accepting others. Think about the time in your life where you felt the most excluded. You know what people who feel excluded usually do? They usually exclude others because misery loves company. If I'm miserable, this is, my, this is not the way I should be, but sometimes when I'm miserable, I want everybody around me to be miserable. And sometimes when you're excluded, you feel like everyone else should have to experience the exclusion that you experienced. And there's a ripple effect of acceptance, and there's a ripple effect of receiving. And here's the ripple effect, and you can actually see it in verse 8. It says, Christ became a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so the promise of the, made to the patriarchs may be confirmed. And moreover that the Gentiles may glorify God because of his mercy. Jesus came for his chosen people, the Jews. He saved them, and the ripple effect of his saving them was the whole world got saved. The ripple effect of us accepting each other is that our youth group becomes a place where people can come and they can feel accepted. That makes sense? You picking up what I'm putting down? Ex people who are accepted accept others. It's a ripple effect. It's a ripple effect. God designed us to be part of a church family. I wrote this down. The more I accept my brothers in Christ and my sisters in Christ, the more people want to become brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. You know what I've learned? I've learned that you know, people need to hear the gospel, but one of the parts of the gospel I think we've excluded that really resonates with people like your age and even people my age, part of my generation, is when, when you're inviting people to accept Jesus as your Savior. Yes, you're saving. Yeah, they're going to be saved from hell. That's, what their etern that's the eternity that Christ saves them into. But Christ doesn't just save you into an eternity down the road when you die or when Jesus comes back. Christ saves you to a right now. And you know what the right now is that Jesus saves you to? It's Christ's kingdom on earth. It's your church family. It's having a, a family in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 8 said that Jesus 
that God predestined us to be conformed into the image of Christ so that Jesus may be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Who are the brothers and sisters? I'm one of the brothers. You're one of the sisters. You're one of the brothers. And you know who the firstborn among those is? Jesus. So we're saved into this family. And the more our family becomes a functional family, the more we start acting like the body of Christ and start acting like Christians are supposed to act, and the more we accept each other, the more people on the outside looking in are like, they've got something I don't. I want to be part of that. And we invite them through the cross to join our family. The question I want you to think about is, when people walk into these doors, do they walk back out feeling accepted like Christ accepted them? Imagine it's not Wyatt. Imagine it's someone you'd never met before and they walk in. They walked into our doors tonight. Are they leaving feeling more accepted than when they left? It's God's plan for every person to walk through these doors to be accepted by me and you. Consider yourself a butler for Christ at the house of God and the family of God. So how do we make this stick? There are just a couple things I want you to think about. Um, just write these down. We're going to hit them like boom, 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 okay? First is, these are like super practical. So if you're new to our youth group, you may not necessarily want to write these down, but this is like, like kind of my family meeting with some of you guys. First is, people, guests should be the most important per- people in the room. If this is your first time tonight, you know what? You're the most important person in the room tonight. We think it's pretty daggone awesome that you didn't know most of the people in here, but you decided to come. And you think it was an accident? No. God had you here for a reason. We need to understand that the people that walk through the door, nobody walks through this door by accident. God has them here for a reason. So maybe we should start acting like it and make people feel important. The second is learn the names of your brothers and sisters. How ridiculous would it be if someone came up and asked you, so you got brothers and sisters? Yeah. Okay, what are their names? And I'd be like, um, Danny, uh, Stephanie, and, uh, and what's that little guy's name? What's that little? I can't remember the name of my youngest brother. Man, what's his name? Is it Charlie? No, it's not Charlie. Is it Kyle? No, it's not that. That's not it either. I think it starts with a B, but I just can't. Re- How ridiculous would that be, right? How many people in this room do you know their names? High schoolers, how many middle schoolers' names do you know? They may be younger than you, but guess what? This guy right here is your brother in Christ. As Chase would say, he's your broink, bro in Christ. <laughs> so, so, do you know the names of the people in your group? How disingenuous is it for us to say, yeah, we'll accept them, but we're not going to take the time to learn their names. We're not going to take the time to talk to them. Here's the third. Be as patient with your church family as you wish we were with you. <laughs> you know what we are? We're pretty quick to cut people off, but we, re- we wish people were a lot more patient with us. You ever, you ever had a day where you're just totally sideways with everybody? Like, I mean, the, the, the nicest person in the world could come up to you, and you'd rip them up one side and down the other. Yeah, Someone could just come up to you and be like, God bless you, and you're like, what's wrong with you, man? Get out of my way! Yeah, we all have days like that, don't we? How many of you had a day like that, or you've totally ripped someone, or you've totally had like just the like just the worst attitude and been real like kind of kind of salty with people, and then the next day you're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. 
you're, you appreciate when people are patient with you. Why don't you extend that patience to others? That's what the, this passage is about. It's about people who wouldn't slow down to let these people catch up with them. And you know what? Christianity, they talk about it being a race, but it's more like a relay. It's more like a team effort. It's kind of like, Jeff would understand, it's kind of like CrossFit, and you're on teams. And guess what? We cross the finish line together. You realize that? We cross the finish line together. There's going to be one moment when we all stand in awe of Jesus and we cross the finish line together. So you know what? The only thing you're doing when you're running ahead of everyone and you're leaving them in the dust, you're saying, yeah, eat my dust. Why don't you guys hurry up and catch on? Why don't you stop being such heathens? You know, <laughs> why don't you get your act together? You know what ha- you know what gets you to the finish line a lot faster? If you went and you found the person in the total back of the line there, and you're like, you know what? Let me help you, bro. That gets us to the finish line faster. So be as patient with your church family as you wish we were with you. Two more. This is, I'm not going to take credit for this. This is a Pastor Lemming one. He said this a couple weeks ago on a Sunday night. If you don't come to church on Sunday night, you're missing out on like pastor's best sermons. Um, But um, comfort the troubled and trouble the comfortable. That's the work of the church. If you came in here tonight and you just have like a lot weighing on you, you know what I want to do? I want to help you with some of that weight. I want to pick up half that dumbbell half that barbell and carry it with you because that's what I'm supposed to do. But you know what? If your definition of Christianity is sitting on your can, you know what my obligation is to you? To put a size 11 footprint on that can. <laughs> right? Because if you're not doing things for Christ, we learned this last week, if, 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 you're not, if you're not reaching out, if you're not responding to God, guess what? You're not growing in Christ. You know what my job is? You know what your job is? To in love, I should say that like five times, right? In love, in love, in love, in love, in love, due to your brothers and sisters in Christ, is to motivate them to grow in their relationship with God. But you know how you, you, know how you learn that? You can't just stay at, you know, at a distance like this and you'd be like, man, you guys sat in the front row. You're never going to sit in the front row again. You, 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 you can't sit all the, stand all the way back here. Never talk to Tucker once when he comes in the door. You're like, man, you know, Tucker's really having a, he, he's, he must not be loving God. Like, I'm just, he, he's, he must be a terrible person. Like, like, you can't make that call five miles away from Tucker. But you know what? If I'm, in Tuck, if, if I'm one of Tucker's bros and I hang, you're never going to sit in the front row again. And I hang out with him, and I spend time with him, and I know what's going on in his life, and I know there's a, a part of his life that he needs to dedicate to God. You know what I'm going to say? Let me help you. So here's the final one. we got to get rolling. I know. Um, get beneath the surface and find out what's going on in the lives of people. Give people shelter from the storms. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.